0: Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson show nationwide coming to you from Atlanta, not in the DC, New York corridor. (laughs) The phone number 877-97-ERIC-877-973-7425. We have breaking news we have to deal with out of the gate. Jeff Zucker, the president of CNN is out, terminated, forced to resign, exiting the building. Uh, Why? Well, he couldn't keep it in his pants. Like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. Yes my friends this one was soap operatic. Uh, it, it, this is the 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 twisted sorted lives uh, dealing with this uh, it's at this point it seems like a lot of people at CNN they're either victims of sexual predation or predators themselves. It's just nuts. It's shameful. I've got a lot of friends at that network they, they I, I think very highly of, of a lot of the anchors but this is crazy and it is so much of a soap opera. It is the days of our lives. The young and the red, well, the old and the decrepit, but nonetheless. So Andrew Cuomo was the governor of New York. His brother, Chris, was the nightly anchor on CNN who was having Andrew Cuomo on television while Andrew Cuomo was letting old people die in nursing homes and was being a sexual predator. Andrew Cuomo's assistant gets hired by Jeff Zucker at CNN during this time to come be the chief of marketing for CNN. Then Andrew Cuomo goes away from CNN, and it turns out that uh, he is a sexual predator of some sort, and Chris Cuomo was doing damage control for him. While this is going on, Jeff Zucker begins an affair with the former Andrew Cuomo staffer, who's now not only the head of marketing, but NBC News is speculating will be Jeff Zucker's heir apparent at CNN. This is discovered when they begin to investigate Chris Cuomo, who it turned out was still helping his brother despite saying he wasn't. So, CNN Spinola 2020. Claiming that Andrew Cuomo was the greatest thing ever and the perfect juxtaposition to Donald Trump while he was being a sexually predatory. Chris Cuomo is covering for him and helping him do damage control. Jeff uh, Zucker is having an affair with the woman out of Cuomo's office who he's brought to see it in. And then Chris Cuomo gets fired when it turns out he's been having an affair. And now Zucker's out for the same thing. These are the days of our lives. My gosh, it's a soap opera. Now, let's be real honest here with a couple of things. Jeff Zucker could have managed this and stayed on the job if the ratings were up. You can get away with a lot in entertainment if the ratings are up, but the ratings are down badly at CNN. And uh, AT&T, the parent company of Warner, which is the parent company of Time, uh, which is the parent company of Turner, which is the parent company of CNN, is a subsidiary of a subsidiary of a subsidiary. They are selling Turner and CNN to, what is it, Liberty Media or, or whichever whichever group owns the Discovery Channel. And the I think it's John Malone is involved in that company. He's a very news-oriented type and it has apparently alleged to a number of people that Zucker would be going anyway, that he doesn't like the news that CNN is doing. They're, they're trying too much to be MSNBC-liked. This has been out in, in a number of publications. Whether it's true or not, it's the rumor that's been out there. But there is a larger story. There are several larger stories here. Let me deal with the first one very easily. Yesterday on CNN, I played you this audio of Brian Stelter, the news, the, the media critic for CNN. You hear Joe Rogan, and then you hear this. The narrative is, I want to show all kinds of opinions which sounds great, but not all opinions are created equal. You think about major newsrooms like CNN that have health departments and deaths and operations that work hard on verifying information on COVID-19. And then you have talk show stars like Joe Rogan who just wing it, who make it up as they go along. And because figures like Rogan are trusted by people that don't trust real newsrooms, we have a tension, a problem that's much bigger than Spotify, much bigger than any single platform, Kate. But that's what the, is the heart of this right now. Yes. Yes, because your network is morally preening, and so are you, Brian. Will you hold any self-reflection on why people do not trust you and your network in light of this? Will anyone at CNN do any level of self-reflection on why people would rather trust Joe Rogan than the health departments and desks? and operations, and editors, and fact-checkers, and opinion vetters who could not keep Jeff Zucker's man parts in his pants. Will any of you do any self-reflection at all in the media about the lack of distrust of the media? And do you know where that distrust comes from? More than anything else, It's that the elite do not believe that you and I can operate like they do. They believe the rules are to contain and constrain us, and they are above the rules. That's what this is about. The sexual harassment rules... The rules on dating colleagues, they're for the peons at the office, not for the CEO. The rules of life, they're for you, not the rich. You know, the rich person can get away with having multiple mama's babies. The rich person can get away with the hedonistic lifestyle, the drugs and the alcohol, the sex, the abortions, the multiple illegitimate children. The rich can do that the poor person can't. But the poor person sees the rich person and says, well, we're equal. Why can't I behave that way? And the rich person thinks, well, maybe the poor person can, and is perfectly happy to engage in a licentious culture where the poor can't pick up the pieces. But the rich can because they can afford it. The rich and the elite, they impose a moral order that benefits them. It's not an objective moral order. It's not God who says, it's they who say, and no one really cares what they say because we see their life and realize that, you know what? They're no better than us. If anything, we should feel sorry for them. It's like Succession, the HBO show. Succession shows a world of a billionaire family modeled on uh, the the uh, Redmonds and the, the Murdochs of the, and the like, owning media conglomerate, entertainment conglomerate, resorts, cruise ships, and the like. And this is a deeply destabilized family of neuroses, drug addiction, vanities, competition, uh, insecurities. You should feel sorry for them. When they get what they want, they're even more miserable. But they believe that they operate in a way that you and I cannot. They can kill someone and get away with it. You and I couldn't. We've seen this really brought home during the pandemic. Gavin Newsom claims he just, he was sipping his Bud Light. That's why he had his mask off. There were ample pictures coming out of that uh, Rams game in Los Angeles where Gavin Newsom was walking around everywhere without his mask on. He was sitting down without his mask on. He was surrounded by people. He had his mask dangling from his ear. Nobody else even had their masks anywhere near them. You couldn't see them. Oh, no, it was only for a brief moment. No, there were lots of pictures. There was video. You weren't wearing your mask. Leonardo DiCaprio, who flies around the world lecturing people on global warming, hangs out on yachts with Jeff Bezos. He was at that game as well and had his uh, mask down below his chin like a chin diaper. They want you to wear your mask at all times. They never want the servers to take off their masks. I was at a great restaurant last night, my favorite restaurant. It got a little loud in there. There was some woman in there. Um, We were pretty sure that, well, let's just say she was paid to be there. Maybe not, but uh, there was something wrong. She was under the influence of something. She's very loud. She kept interrupting my conversation. She's very rude. I hate to have people try to interject into my conversation when I don't even know them. But at one point, the bartender was trying to talk to my friend and me. And the policy at the restaurant is they've got to keep their masks on. And my buddy couldn't understand what the bartender was saying and asked him to take his mask off. He's like, I can't. Company policy. It's a great company. I, I, I'm. It's, it's their policy. They want to make their patrons feel safe. And we're in a situation where a lot of restaurants are forced to do that because the elite, the rich who come to the restaurants, they expect the servers to be masked up. They don't want to mask up, but they want the servers to be masked up. It's a class-based society all of a sudden. It is an aristocracy. And Jeff Bezos, or rather Jeff, Jeff Zucker, Jeff Zucker is one of the leaders in that aristocracy. He was at the Today Show. He rose to prominence at NBC News. He allowed Matt Lauer to get away with his deviancies and knew it. He knew it. He made jokes about it at a roast for Matt Lauer's birthday, and he got a pass because he's Jeff Zucker, and the elite love Jeff Zucker. And then he went to CNN and let Don Lemon go 24-7 on a missing Malaysian airliners jet, and everybody was laughing at it. But, hey, people were talking about CNN. Any news, any press coverage is good coverage, even if they're ridiculing. People were tuning in to watch Don Lemon clown himself about speculation of black holes sucking up Malaysian airline jets. Y'all can meditate on that. It was bizarre. And then he turned it into the 24-7 Trump operation, covering Donald Trump nonstop, covering Donald Trump nonstop, Gave him lots of free media coverage, gave him lots of airtime, and then turned on him the moment he was the Republican nominee, Frankenstein's monster to a degree, turned on Trump, began to savage him, and then turned his entire network into an anti-Trump machine where, to this day, they obsess they put Jim Acosta in the White House, made him become the star of the show against Trump. He was the brave protagonist of CNN and now has his own show and does such stupid things as claiming that Virginia, with a brand new Republican governor, is now a Soviet style police state. And Jeff Sucker ate it up. But the ratings have fallen. The chickens have come home to roost, to quote Jeremiah Wright. Had Jeff Zucker managed to continue to get the ratings, you know, the elite would continue to prop him up. They would protect him. They protect their own. They make you mask up. They would protect Jeff Zucker. The elite live in a world and they think the rules don't apply to them. And now suddenly, because the ratings are down, suddenly the rules do apply. And it is something I find deeply humorous and ironic in all of this that this is just more of the fallout of the Cuomo scandal. The Cuomo scandal continues to bring other people down. And that's a good thing, actually. There should be more accountability. I wonder if CNN will now give up its its relentless silly obsession with Fox News. But at the end of the day, as we realize that uh, the elite, more and more in this country, they really do want a class-based society, They really do want to be an aristocracy. Jeff Zucker wants to be one of the leading opinion leaders and opinion shapers of that aristocracy. He's out because it turns out no one liked his opinions anymore. They were turning off the channel. I wonder, however, and I won't hold my breath on this, will anyone look at this and the incestuous nature of it with the Cuomos and Zucker and this woman who worked for uh, Gullist, her name is, um, who worked for Cuomo and then went to work for Jeff Zucker and was going to be his heir apparent and, and was was do- doing uh, Zuckering with Zucker. Will anyone look at any of this at CNN and say, huh, maybe, just maybe, this has something to do with why people would rather watch Fox News than us. Maybe this has something to do with why more people will trust Joe Rogan than the news we broadcast. Will anyone at CNN look at this at all and do a little bit of self-reflection and maybe say, huh, maybe we need to be a little less partisan. Maybe, just maybe, we need to be a little more humble. And maybe, just maybe, we need to recommit to news, not narrative. I won't hold my breath. I want to cut corners and just get to the chase. A lot of you hear podcast ads and radio ads for Bull and Branch, and you're thinking, eh, they're just telling you it because they're getting paid. I'm actually telling you it because I'm a customer. We actually have Bull and Branch sheets, and yes, they are an ad. Yes, this is an ad, but yes, I really am a customer. I only like to do ads for companies that I really like, and I love Bull & Branch. So does my wife. My wife actually heard the ads, and she wanted to try the sheets. And now they are the sheets in our house. Bull and Branch does not qu- cut corners. They make super soft, wonderful sheets. They use the softest organic cotton they can find. They get better with every wash. They soften and soften and soften. And they only use 100% sustainable raw materials, they're the first fair trade certified manufacturer of linen. You can feel as good about your Bowling brand sheets as they feel against your skin. They are so soft. They don't get too hot. They don't get too cold. They're just great, and every wash improves them. That, I'm telling you, is one of the coolest things about these sheets. It's like sleeping on a new bed every time you wash the sheets. It's great. Now, you can experience the best sheets you've ever felt at BowlinBranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use the promo code ERIC at checkout. That's Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D-Branch.com, promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. This is, man, the breaking news hits just keep coming. This just dropped uh, while we were in commercial break. Leaks n- Leaked notes from a White House Situation Room meeting the day before Kabul fell shed new light on just how unprepared the Biden administration was to evacuate Afghan nationals who'd helped the United States in its 20-year war against the Taliban. Hours before the Taliban seized control of Afghanistan's capital, on August 15, 2021, senior Biden administration officials were still discussing and assigning basic actions involved in a mass civilian evacuation. Outsiders were frustrated and suspicious. The administration was having plenty of meetings but was stuck in bureaucratic inertia and lacked urgency until the last minute. While the word immediately peppers the document, it's clear officials were still scrambling to finalize their plans on the afternoon of August 14th. For example, they just decided they needed to notify local Afghan staff to begin to register their interest in relocation to the United States, and they were still determining which countries could serve as transport points. Transit points for evacuees. Amazing. They genuinely screwed this up. I mean, really and truly, they screwed this up. And, you know, I, I meant to talk about this yesterday, and I, and I ran out of time. Uh, there's a battle going on at the New York Times between uh, David Leonhardt and Paul Krugman as to why Joe Biden is doing so poorly in the polls. And Paul Krugman says it's because of the media. The media is just mean to him. David Leonard says, no, actually, it's it's inflation and his handling of COVID. Nate Cohen, who's their data analytics guy for politics, points out it's neither one. Joe Biden's polling flipped in August of last year. In middle of August, it began to flip. On August 15th, the day the Taliban took over Kabul, and it has never recovered. Why? Because the thing that flipped was the perception of Biden's competence and his empathy for people. That flipped in August because of Afghanistan. Everything bad that has happened to the uh, Biden administration has come from what happened in Afghanistan because that incident, that news changed people's perception. No, not a single person is sitting at the grocery store looking at the empty store shelves right now and saying, ah, it's because of Afghanistan. These store shelves are empty. Nope. They're not looking at it that way. They're looking at it as in August of last year, they realized Biden's incompetent and the Afghan failure showed how incompetent he was. And so they're looking at the empty store shelves saying, huh, these store shelves are empty because Biden's incompetent. And They would have had another explanation for it, but for Afghanistan. Afghanistan matters greatly in the decline and fall of the Biden administration. Now, when we come back, we got to shift gears. There's a big lawsuit filed in the NFL. It has a lot to do with Joe Biden's Supreme Court pick. Howdy. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show. The phone number is 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on this year program. I am delighted to have you guys. Now, we got to talk. We, we got we to gotta talk about an NFL thing. And listen, I, I realize, I feel like I got to say this, not a sports program. I actually am, am a new NFL fan and hockey for that matter, but this this is an actual big news story. The coach for the Miami Dolphins is named Brian Flores. He has filed a class action lawsuit against the NFL, the New York Giants, the Miami Dolphins, the Denver Broncos, and other football teams. Let me give you the background on this. This relates to Joe Biden's Supreme Court pick, believe it or not. There is a rule in the NFL called the Rooney Rule. It was named after Dan Rooney. He was the former owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was the chair of the diversity committee. And after a big stink made by, of all people, Johnny Cochran back in the day, the NFL decided that you've got to interview at least two non-white coaches. In order to be able to, um, in order to be able to hire a coach, you got to be able to certify. You interviewed at least two non-white coaches in order to be able to hire the coach of your choice. Now, they argued that the reason for this rule was because there weren't enough. Black coaches in the NFL, and those who were, were often uh, not treated like their white counterparts. It was harder for them to get jobs. Uh, This actually came about Tony Dungy, uh, who's a fantastic football coach and now a a brilliant commentator on uh, NBC during football season. He got fired by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dennis Green was at the Minnesota Vikings. He got tired as well. Now, Dungy had struggled to find jobs Uh, in coaching in the nfl he ultimately i mean obviously very famously uh got a great job in the nfl uh as a coach and then went on to be a um went on to be a commentator he was with the indianapolis colts i'm looking this up now from 2002 to 2008 fantastic guy um he had been with um The Vikings as a defensive coordinator with the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, got fired by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as their head coach hired by Indianapolis and stayed had a great career. But there were allegations of racism. And so they decided you had to interview two black men under the Rooney rule before you could settle on someone else. Now, in my mind, in my mind, I would think, well, this is insulting they're going to hire me or they're going to interview me even though they're not going to hire me, but they have to do it as a pro forma matter. Well, that's what happened with Brian Flores. Brian Flores was fired as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins earlier this year, and he was interviewed by the New York Giants Bill Belichick interestingly enough Bill Belichick, the uh coach for the Patriots texted Brian Flores accidentally did not mean to text Brian Flores uh, uh congratulating him on his pick of being the um the the, the coach for the Giants. Brian Flores you to know was black. Well, and it turns out uh that Bill Belichick didn't mean he did not mean to text Brian Flores. He meant to text the guy that uh, the Giants already wanted. Uh Brian DeBoil or something like that. Yeah, Brian DeBoil. De, Brian DeBoil. So, in other words, Brian Flores, black coach works for is the the coach for the Dolphins, gets fired. He's interviewing for new positions. The Giants ask him for an interview. The Giants, before Brian Flores has his interview, has already settled on who they actually want. But because of the Rudy rule, they're forced against their will to interview Brian Flores when they've already picked their guy. So Brian Flores is racial window dressing for the New York Giants to check a compliance box that they don't want to meet. And now Flores is humiliated, he says. And so he's filing a class action lawsuit. Sorry. This is the way his complaint begins. Sorry, I effed this up. I double-checked and misread the text. I think they're naming Brian DeBull. I'm sorry about that, B.B. Bill Belichick informing plaintiff Brian Flores three days before his interview with the New York Giants that Brian DeBole had already been selected. And then the next quote, morals cannot be legislated, but behavior can be regulated. The law cannot make an employer love me, but it can keep him from refusing to hire me because of the color of my skin. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., that's his quote. Then they begin the actual complaint. So, you know, immediately going into this complaint, they're going to make it about race and racism in the NFL. One of the allegations, one of the more interesting allegations Brian Flores makes is that the owner of the Dolphins was furious with him for winning games. The owner of the Dolphins was willing to pay Brian Flores $100,000 a losing game to ensure that the games were lost so that the Dolphins could be the get the first pick in the NFL draft. Now, throwing games is something everyone knows probably happens, particularly towards the end of years, as teams are clearly not going to go to the Super Bowl. They're not going to get into the playoffs. Let's just throw some games and see if we can get the number one pick or close to it in the draft. But this is is, uh, new, that he was being paid bonuses and he refused. And he says that's why he was fired. He wouldn't throw the games for money, and so he was fired by the owner. But he alleges more than that. He alleges, he alleges that they didn't want to hire him because he was black. That it's all part of a systemic system of racism and window dressing in the NFL. How do we know they didn't want to hire him because he was black versus they had someone they wanted to hire? This is the problem with affirmative action, and this Rooney rule is affirmative action in the NFL. These black coaches are theater performers. They perform a bit of acting for NFL teams that don't want them. But the NFL teams can't hire who they want to hire unless they go through this bit of performance with these black coaches. It should be degrading to the coaches that they've got to go through this. Now, think about Joe Biden and his Supreme Court pick. He's been very adamant the only person he's going to pick is a black woman. 76% of the nation says that they think he should pick the best qualified person. You know damn well what's going to happen. Joe Biden's going to trot in a bunch of non-white people under his version of the Rudy rule and say, well, this black woman that I wanted from the beginning, turns out she's the most qualified. How do we know? How do we know she's the most qualified? How do we know it's that? He wanted a black woman in the same way with these coaches. How do we know these NFL teams think any of them are qualified when they're just going through the motions? It's like the admissions classes in the Ivy League and other schools now, race-based admissions. Harvard limits the number of Asian kids. Harvard actively, actively, admittedly, openly discriminates against Asian students because there are so many Asian students who apply to Harvard. If they let all the Asian students in, they couldn't let any of the other any of the non-Asian students in, so they limit them. But then they boost affirmative action. Now, notice Harvard isn't really committed to racial equality. Harvard will not get rid of the legacies. Harvard will prioritize legacies over everyone, meaning if your mommy or your daddy went to Harvard, you get a better chance of getting in than anyone else. They're not getting rid of that. They're not getting rid of the system that props up white privilege and the the class inequality and the and the, the wealth gap in the country. No, 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 no. Harvard professors can browbeat themselves and everyone else and lament all day long about the wealth gap in the country and the gap between the poor and the rich getting wider and wider, but until Harvard gets rid of the legacy recruiting position that it has, it doesn't really give a damn about it. They just like to give lip service to it. You're not really giving the poor black kid an advantage when you're you're trouncing him with, oh, well, this kid's mom and dad both went to Harvard. He has less grades than that kid, but we got to let him come in. The, the, the inbreeding in, in the legacy programs of these colleges is one reason you're getting more and more little simpleton white kids coming out of these colleges who can't even like tie their shoelaces without getting upset that there's white privilege going on. But then what of the minority students who do get in? on an affirmative action program. After all, they've excluded the Chinese kids. They penalized the non, non-legacy white kids to let in the black kids and the Hispanic kids and the other kids. How do we know they were academically successful enough to get there? How do you know they're this in business? When you prioritize based on the color of one's skin, how do we actually know this person was the most qualified? This is the system that we have now. It is a system that sows doubt. It is a system that discriminates in the name of fighting discrimination. It is a system that causes us to look at other people and say, are you really qualified or did you get the advantage of skin color? It is a system that requires companies, which these individual teams are in the NFL, to go through theater performances to, hire, to interview people they don't even want to hire in order to check a box. It's checkbox racism in the name of fighting racism. And now what do we have in the country? What do we have? As a result of years of this, as a result of years of affirmative action programs to get into college, the president of the United States engaging in affirmative action picks for the Supreme Court, the NFL going through affirmative action kabuki theater to find the person they want. What do we have? We have an entire system where now the left says, oh, it's the system itself that's racist. Systemic racism It's you're black so you can never get ahead because you're always going to be oppressed. They can only do that. They could only tell a black person you're always going to be oppressed. You'll never get ahead of the white person. you got to blow up the system itself. They will only be able to do that in a system they themselves advanced that props up racism through affirmative action. They know the system is racist because they created the system to be racist. They created the Rooney rule to make sure the NFL has to interview black coaches they have no interest in so that they can hire the coach they wanted regardless of his race. They've designed these systems and what do these systems do? They cast doubt on your qualifications. They perpetuate wealth gaps. And now... Having seen all of this, what's the left solution? To indoctrinate the future generations into, well, we tried to fix it, but it turns out all the systems are so racist to begin with. The systems themselves are racism. You know what systems are? Systems are groups of people functioning in the world. Therefore, the people themselves are racist. Therefore, we need a new people, I guess. We're at this point of street theater and class action lawsuits and screams of racism and questioning the qualifications of people because the left itself has become the racists who insist we prioritize race over everything else, including qualifications. I personally understand this man's offense. He clearly was a puppet in a system that he didn't want to be a part of. He really thought they were interested in him and they weren't. His feelings are hurt and he sued because of it. But we shouldn't, Distract from the fact he actually got a job on his merits as a coach in the NFL. He didn't need this system to get him that. The Dolphins wanted him. They put him there. They fired him now. But for a time, he was able to be there. It's only when you get put in the process to be the street theater puppet of the affirmative action system that you really get offended by that system. Maybe. Maybe. Instead of filing a lawsuit screaming about racism in the NFL and the way black coaches are used to absolve the white team owners of their sins of racism, maybe, maybe we should actually embrace a system that prioritizes qualifications above someone's skin for the Supreme Court, for the NFL maybe even for college admissions and jobs in the private sector. And then, maybe then, we could judge people by the content of their character instead of the left continually insisting we judge them by the color of their skin. Now, one of the companies that doesn't buy into all this left-wing nonsense is Patriot Mobile. They are committed to the conservative cause and actually hiring people based on qualifications and supporting those people and institutions who believe in an America where everyone is equal, and everyone individually should be judged on their merits. Patriot Mobile needs you as a customer to be able to generate the profits that then they use to fund the conservative movement from the Second Amendment to pro-life causes. You can be a customer of theirs by going to patriotmobile.com/eric. That's patriotmobilecom E-R-I-C-K. And you can also call them. they got 100% U.S.-based customer service. It's 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT. Tell them Eric sent you. You get free activation. You can port your existing phone number over. You don't have to get a new phone number. Or you can get one if you want. You can get a new phone. If your current phone is unlocked, you can use that as well. They make it very easy to roll over, and they use the same towers all the other companies use. So go to PatriotMobile.com slash Eric today. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, if you wish to be a part of this year program, is 877-973-7425. Let's go to Jerry waiting patiently. Jerry, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, Eric. Hey, two quick things on this, this NFL and Florida's lawsuit. Um, one thing about the NFL, you got to remember, all these franchises are family-owned businesses. And if you look at the front offices, positions, and number of family members who held these positions your head would spin at how many family members are in there. So that hiring process is is crazy. And then second of all, his lawsuit, I I found it really just fascinating the timing uh, on his lawsuit because there are still four or five, I think, open positions for head coaches. And New Orleans and Texans are two of them. And I heard he interviewed for those two. And so I I think there's something going on further. I hope he didn't just react on his emotions and the Bill Belichick tech really just threw him off. But, I just found yeah. his timing very, very interesting. But the yeah, franchises again, it, it is so incestuous, it's crazy. It is, and I'm glad you raised that point. So many of them are. and You know, one of the crazy things here, though, is I, I, I really genuinely feel bad for the guy that he gets offered an interview with the Giants, and three days before his interview, Bill Belichick tells him that the Giants have made their pick. Uh, and gotten confused for the Brian that they actually wanted. I mean, I would be a little bit humiliated and embarrassed too, knowing that uh, I'm essentially part of a dog and pony show and they don't really want me. But that's the system. That's the system the NFL created. Why? Because they were getting shaken down by people like Johnny Cochran back in the day. That's why affirmative action is so ridiculous. We should get rid of it. It casts doubt on people's merit and doesn't really fix the problem. And there are plenty of people who find their way around it anyway. Like the New York Giants. They already had their pick. They just had to go through the show. I don't think it's racism. I don't think it's racism. Uh, But I think that uh, obviously you are degrading the merits of a black coach who is being forced to be used as a prop for you to do what you want to do. That, I think, is the real problem here, and that's what the rule costs. That's what the rule does. When we come back, we got to talk about making the perfect the enemy of the good. There's a story out there percolating. Well, it's 2022, and things are, well, they're still kind of nuts. And you know, with the Federal Reserve and interest rates, a lot of banks, they didn't want to help a small business to begin with. They like the big businesses. So where do you go as a small business to get to yes on a loan that you need, access to financing that you can use to build a building, buy a building, buy a fleet of vehicles, something big? You see opportunities, and the banks, they just want to tell you no. That's where the Frost family, friends of mine at First Liberty Building and Loan come in. They've been doing this since the 1990s. They help small businesses become big businesses and they might be able to help you. Spend 10 minutes with them. You need a loan, $750,000 or more, reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. That's firstlibertyga.com, firstlibertyga.com. Tell them Eric sent you, spend 10 minutes with them, walk through their process, see if you're a fit for them and they're a fit for you. They help small businesses nationwide. They want to help your small business if they can. FirstLibertyGA.com.